Hi, this is Alana Terry, and you are listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. I'm really glad you joined us for Season 4. We are streaming daily chapters from full-length Christian fiction audiobooks just for you. And the sponsor for this season of the Unabridged Podcast is Blessing on the Run, which is also the audiobook you're going to listen to. So if you would like to listen to the entire audiobook at once, you can go to alanaterry.com slash blessing to get your free audiobook copy, or you can tune in right now for today's chapter of Blessing on the Run. Chapter 17 Come on, baby, you don't have to cry. Jared holds me close against his chest. I can hear his heart beating, so soothing, so familiar. They're going to find out, I whine. Shh, he kisses the top of my head. Your foster parents are so busy with their real kids, they're not going to notice a thing. I shake my head. They're not like that. How can I make him understand? How can I tell him that Carl and Sandy aren't like any of the other families I've been with? How can I express the way for the first time in my life I'm with two people I don't want to disappoint? They're going to find out, I repeat. I sound like one of my grandmother's broken records. I miss her so much. Jared holds me close. How? You're scrawny as a twig. Your breasts haven't even changed. Why would they change? He laughs. So you can nurse the kid. As if I should have known. I don't have a clue about anything, and I tell him, nobody's ever told me how to nurse. The only thought I've ever given to my breasts are praying I'll eventually end up in a C or maybe even a D if God's feeling especially generous. Jared's rubbing my back. You won't have to know how to nurse because we've already decided what we're going to do, right? I nod. His voice is low and soft. You're gonna stick to the plan. We've gone over this a hundred times. It's true, we have. But now that I'm with Carl and Sandy, now that I'm part of what feels like an actual, genuine family... I'm not sure I want to go through with it, and I tell Jared. He laughs again. What else are you going to do? Let them think you've been sleeping around like a little streetwalker and ask them to raise the brat? I don't like it when he talks like this, like he hates the baby. I know he's right when he tells me we can't keep it, and there's no way to get rid of it now that it's the size it is but it hurts my feelings when he acts like the baby's done something wrong. The way I see it, this pregnancy is proof of how much Jared and I love each other. Scared and overwhelmed as I feel, there's something special about that. Jared passes me his joint. He doesn't always like to share, so I'm grateful he's in a generous mood, and I feel calmer right away. He kisses my neck. I'm going to take care of you, I promise. Don't worry about a thing. Chapter 18 Dad's done praying. So is Mom, even though I can't remember a single word she said. 
It's not until Damien joins our little holy bubble that I snap out of my daydream and pay attention to what's going on in the present. Jesus, it's me, Damien. He sounds about as awkward as he did on the phone that first time he asked me out. So, well, we're just really worried about Tyson here, and we'd really like you to tell us where he is. He clears his throat. I guess that's all. I open my eyes. So do my parents. I remind myself that now is an inappropriate time to laugh, and then my dad says, Amen, and our prayer time is finished. We all stare at each other for several seconds before Mom finally asks, Well, who's still hungry? There's a knock at the front door, but it sounds far too subdued and somber for it to be anyone delivering good news. I stay seated while Mom goes to answer it, and I get a familiar wave of nausea when I hear Detective Driscoll droning down the hall. We've got men looking into a few leads, but so far still no sign of Jared or the kid. Damien looks at me with a pained expression. I try to avoid his gaze. I don't want to see my own pain and fear mirrored in his eyes. He wraps his arm around me. It's all going to work out. Don't worry about a thing. As if I hadn't heard that line before. Mom comes up behind me. Sweetie, the detective has a few more questions for you. I thought maybe you'd want to use the den. It's sweet the way she's trying to protect my privacy now, like I didn't spill out all my secrets earlier. Then again, I didn't. I nod and get up. You gonna be all right here? I ask Damien. I'm grateful Mom's giving us the den. There's no way I'd tell Driscoll about the baby with my parents listening, but maybe when it's just the two of us, I'll find a way to bring it up. If Jared's going to follow through on all his threats, I need to be ready for this one. Mom puts a platter of pies and pastries in front of my boyfriend at the table. We'll be just fine, she says. You go talk to that detective and take all the time you need. I follow Driscoll into the den. Glancing at his styrofoam coffee cup, I wonder how much caffeine he's already had today. Is he that tired? Should he even be working on this case? He sits down in the desk chair, the one my dad owns but never uses, and I sink into the recliner across from him. For a split second, I expect Driscoll to say something human like, How are you holding up? Or, Is there anything I can do for you? but I've obviously forgotten who I'm dealing with. So why'd your ex think you'd help him get into this bank? I rub my sweaty palms on the armrests of the recliner while Driscoll stares at me. It takes all my mental focus to remind myself that I'm not the criminal here. I'm not being interrogated. Although maybe I will be by the time this interview's up. Driscoll's waiting for my response. I have so many reasons not to tell him the whole story. The chances of it helping him find my son are next to impossible. But I'm so afraid that the truth is going to come out in the end. It's like I'm practicing with this man I hardly know to prepare for when everyone else finds out. 
trying not to imagine the expressions on my parents' faces when they discover what happened, hoping that Damien will understand, but knowing that he won't. We have found ourselves engaged, broken up, and then back together in less than 24 hours, but if my secret really is exposed for everyone to see, Damien will be gone for good. I know it as clearly as I know that my parents are both saints or that I deserve to go to hell for all the horrible things I've done. I shut my eyes for just a second, trying to figure out how I'm going to get this story out. When I'm awake, I refuse to think about it, but that doesn't stop the nightmares. I have relived this exact moment dozens, maybe hundreds of times, seen it play out like I'm some actress on the big screen, except the theater is my own mind and there's no way to stop the movie or get up and leave if I don't want to watch the film again. I'm at the payphone right outside my junior high, the starting bell's about to ring. Something's weird. I tell Jared what happened, and he laughs at me. It's not funny, I protest. It looks like I peed my pants. It would be embarrassing to admit, except so many other strange things have happened to me in the past nine months, that this is just one oddity among many. That's what I told you to expect, Jared says, and it's a good thing. It means this will all be over soon. Well, I need you to bring me some clean pants or something. I have a math test soon. He chuckles on the other end of the line. You might be missing that test, babe. What do you mean? I know this stuff. I actually studied for it. You can study for a simple math test, but you don't even know when you're in labor. It's not labor, I tell him. Why won't he listen to me? I don't even hurt. All I need are clean clothes. I'm about to be late. It's probably best if you forget about school today. For a minute, I'm hopeful that Jared's going to pick me up so we can spend some time together. It's been months since it's just been him and me. He's got this cousin, a girl around my age, but we go to different schools. Mel's parents are getting a divorce, so she's having a really hard time. Jared's spending most of his evenings with her. I know I shouldn't be upset about that. He's such a nice guy, and he has such a big family, and they all sort of look to him when they're going through difficulties. But childish as it sounds, I really miss him. Unfortunately, he has no intention of picking me up and whisking me away from school. Listen to me carefully. All those things we talked about with the baby, they're going to start happening. It might not be right away, but don't be surprised when it does. I can't believe what I'm hearing. For the past few months, ever since Jared told me what was going on, part of me thought it was all a big mistake. I've only had one period in my entire life. I'm not even a hundred pounds. All these things that he said would happen, they sounded so impossible. In fact, they still do. I'm trying hard not to cry. I don't want Jared to laugh at me again or call me a baby. Can you come pick me up? I ask. He sighs. 
I'm sorry, babe. Mel's got a bad earache. I might even have to take her to the doctor's. Can't I come with you? I hate how squeaky and small my voice sounds. I don't know what he's thinking on the other end of the line, and I hold my breath anxiously. How about this? I'll get Mel ready to see the doctor now, and then you call me again right before lunch, and I'll come and get you if that's still what you want. So I should go to class and take my test? There's a smile in his voice. Sure, babe. Go to class and take your test. Make sure you get an A, all right? I grin in spite of how strange it feels to have my pants half-soaked and something wet like pee trickling down my leg. What about my jeans? I ask. Could you bring me a new pair on your way to the doctor's? No, we're headed to the other side of town. I'm not going your direction. Oh. I try to mask the disappointment in my voice. I know, I can ask the school nurse for a pad. I'm proud to have come up with such a good solution on my own, but Jared doesn't sound so enthusiastic. I don't want you seeing the nurse today. Why not? We talked about it before, remember? People don't understand us. They think I'm too old for you. If they find out you're pregnant, I could get in big trouble, maybe even go to jail. I hate it when he talks like this. How could someone go to jail just for loving too much? It's not fair. I promise him I'll stay away from the nurse. But you'll come and get me soon? Yeah, call me after lunch, like we said. The grin is back in his voice. And good luck on your test. Make me proud. I'm blushing by the time I hang up the payphone, but I'm only halfway toward the school building before my whole stomach feels like it's on fire. I think about turning around and begging Jared to come and get me now. He would, too, if I really needed him. But he's been so worried about his cousin, and Mel has problems of her own. I can't be selfish. The fire subsides. I take a deep breath. I can do this. The morning bell rings, but it's just the warning. I can still make it to class on time if I hurry. Thankfully, I'm wearing dark jeans. I pray no one gets close enough to notice the wet stains. Jared doesn't want me talking to the nurse, but maybe I can find one of my friends who has a pad with her that I can use. I hurry up. I have a math test this morning, and I don't want to be late. Chapter 19 The last ten minutes have been pure torture, and the detective's expressionless face isn't giving me any sort of clues about whether telling him everything was the right thing or not. He looks mad. It's hard to know why I feel that way because he's always got something of a scowl, but instead of looking bored like usual, he seems angry. Angry at who? At me for what I did? Or angry at Jared for putting a junior hire through such torment? Jared told me to call him at lunch, but I couldn't wait that long. I made it through my math test, but by English, my stomach hurts so bad I thought I might throw up. Even the teacher noticed something was wrong, asked if I wanted to visit the nurse, but what 12-year-old girl would willingly get her boyfriend thrown into jail 
simply because adults can't understand how a man his age could fall in love with someone as young as twelve. I tried catching him again after third hour, but he didn't pick up. I wish I had asked him the name of Mel's doctor. For a minute, I thought about calling Sandy and telling her everything, but there was Jared's voice in the back of my head reminding me that no other grown-up could understand the kind of love we had for one another. We talked about the delivery before, had it all planned out. The only problem was I never expected it to happen while I was in school, and if it did, I figured that Jared would drop everything and come and get me. What was taking him so long? I didn't want to leave a message on his answering machine because I had to save my coins. I'd let it ring three times, hang up, collect my returned money, then try again, each time praying the call would go through. Finally, the pain grew so bad that I went back into the school, resolved to talk to the nurse. But the closer I got to the office, the louder I could hear Jared's voice in my head. They won't understand us. They'll think I'm some sort of pervert. They'll send me to jail. We'll never be allowed to see each other again. With tears stinging my cheeks, I made my way to the bathroom where I waited until the lunch bell rang. Then I dragged myself back outside, back to that stupid phone booth. At least this time, God answered my prayers, and Jared picked up. Hello? It's me. It wasn't just my stomach now that hurt, but my back, too, and I scarcely had the breath to get more than a few words out at a time. Jared's tone was full of cocky cheerfulness. Hey, babe, how'd your test go? My tummy hurts. I wiped my eyes, resolved not to let him know I was crying. His voice was full of sympathy. That's what I told you was going to happen, but don't worry. Like I said before, this will all be over soon, and then things can go back to the way they used to be. Used to be? I didn't know what he was talking about. Had there ever been a time when I wasn't pregnant and terrified and in so much pain? Are you going to come get me? When he didn't answer right away, I felt compelled to remind him, It's lunchtime. He sighed. Gee, babe, I'm really sorry, but the doctor put Mel on some pretty heavy antibiotics. She's got a bad ear infection, high fever too. I can't leave her alone right now. Can't she come with you? He lowered his voice. I hate to say it, babe, but... I think she's a little jealous of you. With her parents getting divorced and all, I hate asking her to spend too much time around the two of us together. Seeing how in love we are just reminds her of how bad things are with her folks, you know? The fire in my abdomen took my breath away for several seconds, and when I could finally speak again, I couldn't hide my sob. It hurts really bad. I know, babe. Some people in your situation would be acting really selfish right now. They wouldn't be thinking about Mel, her ear infection, or how hurt her feelings are about her parents. I swear you're the sweetest girl I've ever loved. I'm the only girl you've ever loved, I reminded him, and he laughed. Course you are. Lunch is over in about half an hour, I said, 
Think you could get me then? Yeah, I could do that. I'll pick you up by the bus stop. I didn't want to tell him that with as bad as I felt, I wasn't even sure I could walk that far. I was just relieved to know he'd be coming for me. Okay, I'll go over now and just wait for you. Know what? Maybe you should head back to school. I might be a little late, that's all. Don't want you standing out in the cold. As if that wasn't what I was already doing, talking to him on the payphone. How will I know when you get here? I asked. I'll sign you out at the office, he said, and then added with a chuckle, Remember, you're my niece. Not technically. Yeah, but nobody else has to know that. So head back to school and wait for me to get you, all right? Okay. Did he hear the disappointment in my voice? One more thing. If it gets real bad or things start to happen real fast before I show up, you remember the plan, don't you? As far as I knew, the plan was for Jared to pick me up so we could walk through this together. Without giving me the chance to respond, he said, All right, Mel's about to get up from her nap now, and I promised to heat her up some soup. So hang in there, and I'll talk to you real soon said the man who had no intention of picking me up from school in half an hour or any time that day. Alana Terry here. I hope you enjoyed today's installment of Blessing on the Run. Please don't forget that you can listen to the entire audiobook of Blessing on the Run when you purchase it from Audible or wherever it is that you like to listen to digital audiobooks, or you can go to alanaterry.com blessing to download your free copy. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.